Welcome to the Power Podcast with Pastor Vince Holmes in the Zion Temple Community Church. Our goal is to proclaim the message of Christ, observe and obey the Word of God, win others to Christ, equip the church with tools of victorious living and empowerment with opportunities to use God-given gifts and talents, and lastly, release rail-rounded, spiritually-minded individuals into the community and the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, praise God. I am excited to be back. Now, I know, I know, excuse my dress, y'all. I just, you know what? Here, here's the reality. I didn't feel like putting on no clothes today. So um, I know you are at home and you're relaxed. So can you allow me this to relax today and just share with you? And while I may not feel like putting on any clothes, I do feel like sharing a word from the Lord that I believe that God has for us today. Is that okay? If that's okay with you, just go ahead and type in okay into the uh, chat there. Okay. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word that's going to come forth. We thank you for your solution to how we recover. And Lord, we just ask that you might prepare our hearts, our minds, that you might speak deeply within us and that you might change and transform us according to your word. Meet every need that's here, that's listening today, that may be listening in the future, and we'll give you all the glory and honor, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to say a special thank you to our guest speakers for the last month that have been blessing you. Were you not blessed by our speakers, I pray that they um, were a blessing and that God used them in your life. If you were blessed by them, any of the four that you've heard, just type in the word blessed. There you go, blessed. And while you're doing that, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, and we're going to talk about today, we're going to answer the question, um, how do I recover from loss? We've been in this pandemic for literally almost two years. And in that two years time, most people have experienced some sort of loss, whether it's been the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one, the loss of our freedom to go about wherever we want to, when we want to, the loss of um, being in connection with other people, things have been shut down, you're working from home, or there's just fewer people, all of that begins to add up and can really affect us. And so I want to talk about that today as I came across a, a portion of scripture in 1 Samuel 30. And it happens to talk about the life of David. Now before we get to chapter 30, let me go back because we love David and we tend to treat David sort of iconic, as if he is someone who is superhuman. But let's look at his story, and we're going to find out that David was much like we are. Um, if we go before we get to chapter 30, chapter 15, 1 Samuel 15, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to kind of recap some of this. So in 1 Samuel 15, Saul, who was the, the king, um, so he disobeys God, or some people would say he halfway obeyed God, but how many of you know to halfway obey something is to 
disobey it, right? And so God tells him to destroy the people, the land, and, and uh, the animals and everything in it. He chooses, after listening to um, so others, to not to save the king, right? And so that's not what his instructions were. He saved some of the animals, and he came up with an excuse. But anyway, he sort of dis he disobeys God. In chapter 16, uh, that the prophet Samuel now has to, he has informed Saul that God was displeased and that God would remove him from the throne. And then, and also in that chapter, in chapter 16, God sends Samuel to go anoint to Jesse's house to anoint a king. Now, Jesse, just follow me, is David's father. And so the prophet Samuel gets to Jesse's house finally, and he says, we've come to worship, and there's a king among your sons. Gather all of your sons because somebody is going to be king. He didn't know at that time who. So Jesse goes and gets all of it. He gets his sons, right? All seven of them. And so he brings one before, before the prophet Samuel. Samuel thinks this is him, and he goes through this process, and God says, nope, it's not any of those. Now, I said that he brought all seven of his sons, right? The problem was Jesse had eight sons. And so now I'm thinking of me as a father. I only have one, one, one son. But if I had many sons and the prophet came and said that, hey, some, one of your sons is about to be king, go get them all. Well, I'm getting everybody, right? All y'all, come home, all y'all right now, here, here, because one of y'all is about to be king because God has sent the prophet here and somebody is going to be king up in this house. Amen. And so I don't know why. But Jesse forgets about David. He doesn't even invite him to the ceremony. And so the prophet says, you know, I know God told me this, but something's wrong. He says to him, are these all your boys? And Jesse's response was, well, no, I have one more, but he's out in the field with the sheep. And trust me, it is not him. And so the prophet says, no, no, go get him. We're not going to eat or do anything until he gets here. And David walks in, and lo and behold, the Lord speaks to the prophet, this is the one. So David has, has daddy issues. His own daddy didn't invite him to the ceremony to be anointed. In fact, he sort of forgot about him, and he assumed that it was definitely not him. And so, not only does he have daddy issues, but his brothers don't think highly of him either. Um, I think about chapter 17 or so, David is sent to, um, well, let me, let me back up before that. David is introduced to the King Saul because David's a, a skilled musician. He's bad. Saul begins to have these um, fits. I would say, now because God's displeased, the anointing has been removed, Saul is kind of losing his mind, he has these fits, and someone remembers that David is a skilled musician. So they bring David in, and when he plays, Saul calms down, um, and he's more lucid again, and so he has this relationship with him, he kind of comes and goes. 
the anointed king comes and goes. David's not tripping. David's okay with keeping the sheep. So now Saul and his men are at war with the Philistines. Remember that name. And David's daddy sends David to go check out because David's brothers are part of the army. And he hadn't heard from them for a while. So David goes there and check this out. Um, we see his brothers have issues with him as he gets there. In fact, let's see. His, it, actually, his, at least we know his oldest brother, um, Eliab, has issues with David. He's so disrespectful. David comes. He's dealing with David. Sees this, sees um, Goliath, the the giant, and David's like, "Who is this dude that he would defy the armies of God? His battle's not with you all. His battle is with God. He's de trying to defy God. What's up with this dude? Why y'all scared of him?" And so David's oldest brother says, "Dude, what are you even doing here? Why? Aren't, who did you leave those few little sheep with? Look at how dismissive he is of him. How how condescending he is." He says, who'd you leave those few little sheep? You go on back home and take care of those little sheep. This is a man's thing right here. Right? And so his relationship, he says his brother was angry with him. And not only that, his brother accused him, accused him um, of having the wrong motives. He says, we know that your, your motives are wrong. So here's David. Remember, so I don't want to, I want you to see how normal David is. He's learned to be alone with God. Much of his growth is done in solitude. He has daddy issues. Now he's, you see he has um, issues within his family. His, at least his oldest brother doesn't really care for them. Maybe because he, he's jealous. He's um, condescending. He accuses him of, um, of having his motives incorrect. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had the people that you love turn against you, the ones that you thought would be supportive of you, lie on you? Maybe, maybe you've been there. Have you ever, ever been there uh, where the support system that you thought was supposed to be there for you and they haven't been? Just type in the words, been there. Been there. Daddy issues, his support system isn't what it should be. He spends a lot of time along with God. And many of you know the story. David goes on. He defeats Goliath. And then the people respond. Right? David's just doing what God's called him to do. He's trusting in God. He defeats Goliath. The people begin to sing this song, singing his praises. And they're singing, you know, Saul has killed hundreds. David has killed thousands. And now what does that do? That enrages Saul. Remember, they had a good relationship. David was playing music. David was the one who bought him peace. Saul then pursues David and tries to kill him because Saul now believes that David is after his job. And he also knows that he's, he's just jealous of the response that the people are getting. So David, try, I mean, Saul tries to kill David. David goes on the run and finally concludes that maybe if I hang out within the Philistine camp, within the Philistine land, that Saul would stop trying to kill me, stop trying to pursue me. So in about chapter 27, David and 600 of his men now go over um, into the Philistine land and he does an alliance with Achish, the king of Gath, 
And um, Achish, the king of Gath, a Philistine, gives David a parcel of land for he and his men to um, live in, to reside in. And it's a land called Ziglag. So a land called Ziglag is there. And so now we're, we're almost there. Just stay with me. So we have a normal person, David, being pursued by King Saul, hiding from him, now has a land and is in enemy territory, provide an alliance with people that he knew that were not, um, were the enemies of Israel, but figures, hey, I just got to get away from this dude. He's, he's going to kill me. One of these days, he's going to kill me. So the anointed um, king to be, the heir to the throne by, by God's standard, is now running and in hiding in a land, strange place, has 600 men who are following him, who've made an alliance to him. And now Achish and the Philistines are getting ready. Saul is dead. Achish and the Philistines are getting ready to go to war with Israel. And Achish says to David, hey, you can be my bodyguard. You can keep me. And David says, I, I got you. I'm loyal to you. And they get ready to go. And the Philistine um, leaders, the other um, leaders of the armies in other lands, say to Achish, What's, uh -uh, what is he doing here? He's one of them. How in the world is he going to go to battle with us and you expect loyalty from him once we get there? He's going to turn on us, defend the children of Israel, and we, we know how well he, his skilled he is, but he's going to turn on them and we're going to become his enemies. So he says, no, he can't go. Achish sends David back. Now, they've left their land. They've left Ziglag to come and join Achish to fight against Israel. Achish sends David back because the rest of the Philistines don't trust him. Here David is again. I'm just trying to do what's right, trying to stay loyal, and now he's rejected. And so here we go. The anointed, filled with purpose, um, destined to be king, is now rejected again and going back to his land of Ziglag. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're one of those people who, who God has gifted. You have hope for the future. But being gifted and hope for the future does not mean that you have not, will not, or maybe are not experiencing loss. Many of us are, have been there. If you've ever experienced loss, loss in any type, just type in the word loss. Loss. And that brings us to chapter 30. Long journey, but we got there, right? So 1 Samuel chapter 30. Bear with me as we read. Actually, don't bear with me. Read with me. The first few verses, uh, verses 1 through 9. And it reads like this in the NIV. David and his men reached Ziglag on the third day. So they come back home three days away. Now the Amalekites had raided Negev and Ziglag. They had attacked Ziglag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but they carried them off as they went on their way. Now, I'm going to stop right there. 
You got the picture. David comes back to where he lives, Ziglag. Everything is burnt. The women and children are gone. And the writer so nicely inserted this for us by saying, and they killed none of them, but took them on their way. Trust me, David and his men have no idea that they weren't dead. No idea. They just knew that they were gone. Now, when David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and their sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept out loud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. I know him of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, of, of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in his spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar the priest, the son of Amalek, bring me the ephod. Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and the 600 men who were with him came to Bethsaida the valley, where some stayed behind. How do I recover from loss? Let's take a little, little look at this. A little deeper look at this. First thing I, I realized, I, I want to say this and make this perfectly clear, and I know that it is not popular, um, but one thing you have to know if you're going to recover from loss is know that even Christians experience loss. Even Christians experience loss. When we get to David, we don't read of any indiscretions. He is not the king. The Bathsheba incident hasn't happened. Um, David loved God so much that he had an opportunity to take Saul's life, and yet he spared him. He says, hey, I'll be anointed the king when God gets ready for me to be anointed the king. For now, we're going to touch not the Lord's anointed. Won't do his prophet any harm. So he didn't kill him um, and, and really had a great opportunity, even though he was um, encouraged to do so. David loves God. So he, he trusts God that God can do even the miraculous. We saw that happen when he um, came against the Goliath. Knew that God can do miraculous things. So, um, but yet and still, with all of that, verse 3 says that when David and his men reached Ziglag, they found it destroyed. Their wives, their sons, their daughters were taken captive. Lost everything. David lost everything while serving. Christians who love God, Holy Ghost filled, water baptized, tongue talking if you believe in tongues, all of that, yet sometimes we experience lost, loss. He loses everything. Still anointed, still appointed. He lost that. What did he lose? He lost his family, he lost his possessions, and he lost his respect. He had 600 men who were following him. So how do I recover from loss? One, we ask the question, why me? I know someone was going through something and they asked the question of why me? And they realized, well, why not me? 
I know that doesn't fit neatly in the name it, claim it, um, God's got me, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And just realize that with God, what we consider loss is not always, it's not loss. God uses everything. Why? That's why Paul says, for we know that what all things work together for his glory, that for those who love the Lord, for those who walk according to his purpose, who are the called according to his purpose, because what we think is loss is not quote unquote loss when God is in it. He uses it all for his glory. So in our standards, recognize one, to recover from loss, realize this, that Christians can experience uh, loss of what we call loss. Number two, second thing, feel and express the pain of loss. Where do you see that at? Well, it says, David and his men wept out loud until they had no strength left. They were hurting. You cannot experience growth. You cannot experience healing. You cannot experience God's power in times of quote-unquote loss if you don't know or acknowledge that was exactly where you are. You don't know that God is a God of, of the valley unless you recognize you're in the valley. Otherwise, you'll live in delusion or frustration, one of the two. It's okay. So, one, recognize that Christians experience loss. How do I recover? Secondly, secondly, um, realize... I'm, Deal with the feelings, the experience of loss. Express the pain of loss. They, I mean, it says they cried. These are men crying until there were no more tears ever been there. You ever hurt so deeply that you just couldn't cry anymore? All you had was sound. Then the sound runs out. Ever been there? Type in the words, been there. If you've been there and you're here, I know that you survived. Thirdly, realize that anger may be a part of the process. So how do I recover from loss? Recognize that even Christians go through loss. Feel and express the pain of loss. Thirdly, realize that anger may be part of the process of recovery. God is not against us being angry. I, I don't know where we ever got that, that Christians don't get angry. The word of God tells us, Paul wrote, be angry, but sin not. Check this out. As I was going through this, I, I just kind of had this little glimpse that I believe the Lord allowed me to see. That anger is a God-given emotion, not an action. Why, why do I say that? Ah, because the Bible tells us be angry, but sin not. The Bible also tells us that our anger never results in godly righteousness. I mean, acting upon our anger doesn't result in godly righteousness. God doesn't have a problem with us being angry. It is the response of what we do with the anger, how we act out of the anger. So the action may be sin if we choose the wrong action, but the anger itself is, is a God-given emotion. Feel that. Acknowledge that. 
And know that God can deal with that. I know this is not a very popular message, but you know what, y'all? God's got healing for us. God takes us through the process. But when we see, we can see how we come through recovery by just being real. I ain't mad. You see that inside. Right? I got some issues going on in me. Let me tell you right now. I got some issues going on in me. And this last week or so that, that God keeps saying, I want you to love them like I love them. Because I would say I still love them, but I don't want nothing to deal with them. I don't ever have to deal with them again. I, I'm sorry, y'all. I'm, I'm sorry, y'all. I know y'all don't think like that. Right? I don't like what they did, and my thing is, they won't do it again, not to me, right? You ever been there? Because I'm not giving them the opportunity. So I said, I love them, but I don't have to deal with them. In fact, I, I, I'd be just fine. And this is an attitude that I've had that God's been working on for a long time. Um, and I shared this when we did our 21-day fast in one of the articles that God's been working on me, because I have this attitude that, I was perfectly happy, as far as I knew, before I met you. So not having you in my life now, I can go back to where I was. I'll be okay. I know that I'll survive. That's one thing. The other thing is, I know that I know that I know that no matter what, God's got me and I'm going to be all right. But sometimes we use that um, in an incorrect form of saying, God's got it. He's going to deal with it. So, hey, I don't have to be with you. I don't have to deal with you. That's not good. So God's been challenging me to to not just love people that hurt me, but love them like he loves them. Now, I'll tell you the truth. I don't know why I'm going through all this, because this was not in the notes. Uh, I'll tell you the truth, that um, I may love them, uh, but I'm working on allowing myself to love them like God loves them. Because you know why? I may not love them like God loves them right now, but I love God. And this is what the Lord says, that they will know that you are my disciples of how you love one another. So it's really not an option. So I'm experiencing the process. So I don't bring you this recovery thing from some theoretical point of view. I'm telling you what I'm walking through. And I know that God's a God who who's a God of recovery. So anyway, I I somewhat digressed. So um, one, recognize that Christians experience loss. Two, feel and express the pain of loss. Three, recognize that anger may be part of the process of recovery. And then fourthly, continue to practice your spiritual disciplines even in the midst of the pain. Uh, Verse 6 says, David was greatly distressed. He's messed up, right? Why? Because the men were talking of stoning him. That's where the anger, I talked about those men, they wanted to stone David. They were angry about the whole situation. They trusted David. And yet, because they were gone on this mission with David, they too lost everything. So it says, um, the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his God, in Jehovah, the God that is, God of whose strength. We sing sing the song, 
sometimes you, you have to encourage yourself, right? And so, and that's where that, this comes from, that experience, because in King James it says, and he encouraged himself. Had nobody else around. But the translation is, is that while he encouraged himself, he found courage. He found his strength. He found his source of courage in the Lord, his God. So David encouraged himself in the Lord. He found strength in the Lord. Continue to practice your spiritual disciplines. Oftentimes when we're in the middle of loss or recovery, um, we isolate. We not only isolate from each other, but if we could, we'll isolate from God. I don't want to read. I don't even want to pray. Don't even want to talk to you, God. I want to encourage you, if that's where you are, admit it, feel it, but keep pushing. Keep talking to God. Tell him how you feel. It may not be good. You might be angry. Whatever you're going through, express that to God. God can handle how you feel. Trust me, you are not the first person. And, God, and, and no matter how we feel, it ain't going to, and I said ain't, it ain't going to add or subtract to who God is and his character. God is who he is and always will be. And he can handle that. So continue to practice your, your spiritual disciplines. So it says that David found, and what we do, we'll find as we spend time with God, we'll find that God will strengthen us, that God will enable you to move, that God will enable you to endure the process. The word of God says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He's there. In the middle of it. He promised never to leave us or forsake us. And we talk about that, but he's there in the bad times. In the deep times, the three Hebrew boys, they were in the middle of the furnace. And who was there? When they looked in, they said, we see it four. Put in three, we see four, and the fourth one's like the, son of, like the son of God. Because why? God is there in the middle of the furnace. But you are still in the furnace. But God is there in the furnace. So, continue our spiritual uh, disciplines. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He found strength. He found courage in the Lord. And five is the fifth one. Don't do it alone. Call on others to join you in prayer. See, when we're isolated, we don't really want to deal with others. But look what David did. In verse 7 it says, um, Then David said to Abathar the priest, the son of Amalek, Bring me the ephod. Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Let's take a minute and look at that. Because it said to, to call on others. Uh, don't do it alone. Call on others to join you in prayer. David sent for the priest. Now, I, I didn't think about that until um, I was looking at this, because the priest represented God to man, but also brought man before God. He, he was the, 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 the go-between, the, the in-between, the, the um, yeah, let's leave it like the go-between. So he represented God to man and man to, to God. He was the one. So David called upon the priest. Sometimes we are in situations and, and, and we, we need other folk 
when we don't feel like praying, who will keep us before God and pray for us and encourage us to spend time with God. Listen, you may not have the answer, and I, I don't, you don't need people who have the answer, but we need people who will keep us before the presence of God, who will represent us to God per se. Now, we have a right. God, Jesus Christ tore the veil between the, uh, the temple, and we can go directly to God. But the truth is, sometimes we just don't feel like going, and some, sometimes we just need other folk who will encourage us to spend time with God or who will come and walk alongside of us. We need to see the Holy Ghost in flesh. We, we talk about the Holy Ghost as a paraclete, the Holy Ghost as a helper. Well, oftentimes the Holy Ghost wants to use brothers and sisters to demonstrate that, that, um, his help, to demonstrate his strength to walk alongside of us. This is, hey, come on. I got you. Cry here. Tell me what you're going. Don't, I have no opinion on how you feel. I'm not saying I know the answer, but I know the God who does know the answer. So I'm going to take you and go before the God who has the answer. And so the, the priests are God on behalf of the people. Now here's my question. Who in your friendship group can you say, I know this person will go before the Lord on my behalf? Got a friend like that? Not just someone who comes along and says, ooh, oh, wow, that's awful. Or, I don't understand this either. I don't know why. Mm-mm. Would not me. I wouldn't. You know what I would do? I would tell them so. so. You know, sometimes you just see people who don't give you advice. Just listen and pray. And so David called on the priest to bring the ephod. The ephod was, was a garment that the priest would wear, and it was, it was a symbol of, of um, seeking God for guidance. And so he says, Okay, bring that. And what did David do? He went before the Lord and asked the Lord, what shall I do? Ask God in your sense of in your recovery. Lord, what shall I do? Where do I go from here? I'm hurting. I don't feel like being here. Um, I'm still talking to you even though I don't want to. But and it's, it's not you know, no one told me that would hurt this badly. And, and I don't really have anyone I can relate to. What do I do now? And that's what David says. What do I do now? Shall I pursue them? And be open to God's answer because God could have said no. And God gives David the green light to go. To go. I, I'm going to stop right there. Let me, let, me, let me review what we have. One, realize I mean, and how do I recover from this? How do I experience recovery? One, realize that um, Christians do experience loss. Secondly, feel. Admit the feeling. Feel and express the pain of loss. Three, realize that anger may be part of your process to recovery. It's okay. Don't get mad because you're angry. <laughs> Isn't that something? It's all right. Fourthly, continue to practice your spiritual disciplines. Continue to go before the Lord. That's where David found his strength. He found strength in the presence of God. Um, 
what am I, five? Yeah. Don't do it alone. Involve others in your recovery. Others who can pray with you. Others who can seek God's will for your next step. As I close, I, I, I'm thinking we're going to pray. Um, there's a song, and I'm sure you know it, but I, I've always loved this song because it's just so real that Tamala man sings. And the whole idea is just take me, take me to the king. Some of the words are, um, take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. My heart is torn in pieces. Maybe you're there today. Listen, you want to say, miss me with church. Miss me with all the, the, the rigmarole of tradition. Um, miss me with all of that. Take me to the king. And it says, my heart's torn with pieces. And that's my offering. It's my offering, a broken, torn up heart. Broken. Take me to the king. Listen, I may not have the solution for you in the very particulars of your situation, but I know who does. And we want to take you into the presence of the king. Broken, discouraged, frustrated, angry, despondent, unsure. You're just going through this thing since God, I, I trust you. I don't know what else to do. We want to walk alongside of you. A couple more words of the, of the song says, the truth is my options are few. I'm I'm trying to pray, but God, where are you? I'm all churched out, hurt and abused. I can't fake what's left to do. Truth is, no strength to fight, no tears to cry, even if I tried. But still, my soul refuses to die. And yet she knows, it says, but one touch will change my life. Take me to the king. Lay me at his throne. Leave me there alone to gaze upon your glory and to sing to you this song. Please take me to the king. Can I take you to the king as we enter his presence? If that's you and you're, you're tired, you're frustrated, you're, you're in the process of recovering, you're hurting, and you just want to say, take me to the king, just type in the word, king. And we're going to pray for you. We're going to reach out to you. Another thing that we have on, on Tuesdays and, and Friday mornings at 6 a.m. via our Instagram, we, we pray. We, we pray for people. We want to pray for you. All you got to do is send your prayer request to prayer at ztccla.com prayer at ztccla.com and then join us at 6 a.m. on Tuesday or Friday if you can't catch it at 6 it's pre-posted for you to see and our Instagram handle is at Zion Temple LA at Zion Temple LA and meet us there let's pray God you know every every person who's here this morning or who will hear this later and you know those who are hurting and so, God, I bring them before you right now.
I don't have the answer, but you do, God. And some are just tired and frustrated and don't know what to do. But God, I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would let them know that you are the God of recovery and that you will restore that you will heal. And so, God, I pray that you would strengthen them to hang on. I pray that you would bring people into their lives who will bring them before you, who will walk alongside of them, who will be living bodies of your Holy Spirit that will come alongside and to help keep them in your presence, that you might give clear direction and then that they may follow. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity. I ask that you might be glorified, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, and thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. Again, if you want prayer, just type, just email us at prayer at ztccla.com, prayer at ztccla.com. And if you want to know more about this king that I'm talking about, about the God that I serve, who will get you through this process, we would love to introduce you to him. Just go ahead and send us an email, right, same place, prayer at ztccla.com, and just put, title it, want to know. That's all, want to know. Maybe that's too much. Just title it king, prayer at ztccla.com, and just in the title line. Put King. We'll reach out to you. God bless you. Thank you. Have a great day. I look forward to seeing many of you tomorrow, Monday at 1 p.m. break time with Pastor V on our um, Facebook page at 1 p.m. I'll see you then. Have a great week. And remember, we want to pray for you. We believe that God answers prayer. Prayer at ztccla.com. Have a great week. Blessings.